Okay, welcome everybody to the Learning and Development Limited Series from Assemble U. Today I'm joined by Michael Miller, HR Development Manager at Signature Discovery. Michael is here to talk us all about launching their new academy, Signature Academy. I won't wax on too much about it. Instead, we'll hear from Michael and, and if it's okay, I'll dive straight into the questions, Michael. Fantastic. That sounds great, Adam. Cool. So first of all, can you give us a little bit of background as to where the need for this academy came about? And is it the first formal, I guess, learning academy, kind of centralized place for learning that that Signature Discovery has put together? So I think the idea first popped into the board's mind when they were conscious that there had been higher rates of leavers over COVID times, especially 2021 and early 2022. It's one of a number of different things I think about in terms of strategically how best they can ensure that we do retain good people and also get the most out of them whilst they are here, because that also starts leading to some of the impacts out of things I feel we might talk about later on. But so that's where I think the idea first came from, that we should do something on L&D. And there's that realisation, looking back over the number of years the company's been around now, we've never really had that focus on L&D, and they're like, we should, we should do something. They looked at the HR team and they thought, is there anyone already in the team that fancies having a go at this L&D thing? And then there is there's me who hadn't done any real L&D before in that way, but was up for a new challenge and thought that could be exciting. Steep, steep learning curve then. Has been. It's steeper than I expected as well. I think I should. I just didn't understand that much about the world of L&D until now. And I see every new thing I learn about it, it feels like there's a number of extra questions or new challenges to learn as well. Brilliant. And something I probably should have asked at the very beginning is, can you give us like a couple of minute elevator pitch on what Signature Discovery does as a business? Because I think that's really important for positioning this. And then I want to ask a little bit more about, about the academy and what kind of programs you started with. No problem. So Signature Academy is a joy discovery company based in Nottingham. It's headquartered in Nottingham. It does now have three different sites and a fourth one that's recently been acquired up in Scotland. We are a contract research organisation, which means that we do R&D on behalf of clients in kind of a professional services sort of way. We charge people for the time of our scientists. And we charge you like whole months rather than hours or something like that. But generally we partner with, with clients in order to help deliver their R&D needs within that drug discovery pharmaceutical world. So this is, it's often, it might be really big pharma that you've heard the names of, or it might be smaller companies that ultimately might end up having that drug bought by the big company for the purposes of properly going to market. But often it is a good decade or so after we've worked on things that they do end up in patients being sort of available for doctors to prescribe or something like that because it's real cutting edge to discovery stuff it's nature i think quite a, an exciting field to work in yeah definitely and so the purpose of the academy talk me through that is it a mix of technical soft compliance training all three none of the above what were the goals of it and that you're trying to cover within that remit so we did want to try and capture all of those different types of things, the compliance side of things, the technical side of things, and the software or power skills. I think people were, they were already very conscious of the technical side of things. And they looked at all the technical bits on a really individual basis where each department would think about what their needs were on the technical skills. And they think about it with quite a short-term approach where they'd know that they wanted to be able to deliver a certain expertise to a client and make sure they had that expertise and didn't necessarily plan that much further into the future in terms of how they were going to grow and develop that talent 
in-house and we find ourselves in a position where we do have lots of experts in all of these different areas and that's part of the reason that people do want to keep coming back to us as a, an R&D partner but what would be ideal for us is if we could share more of that internally and make sure that we can promote as much as possible from within and we can I think capture what interests scientists the most which is picking up more knowledge technically that's what's got them through quite often PhDs to end up with the company and it's that appetite for learning that I think has uh, really driven most of them to get to the point they're at in their career today. Yeah no brilliant so you're doing or you're delivering as a team I guess more more generic content that anybody could access like like say have you got leadership content communication that kind of stuff your power skills but then also you've got this very technical side of it which which is a lot more difficult and where you're having to kind of go in-house and pull that expertise out of people almost and share it so how's that side of it working how are you facilitating that as as a team what's the what was there a tool or process in particular you're using what's what's working so there is a tool it's relatively crude in that it is basically a spreadsheet but what we found out <laughs> when we were one talking, of my favorite tools michael one of my favorites <laughs> excel is very good yeah but what we found out when we were talking to departments as we try to try to scope out what the Signature Academy would look like, is that there were quite a lot of things that different departments were doing that other departments weren't even aware of. And there's this hopefully quite an easy win that I think we've achieved to a large extent already now about just making sure that people can see if there's a relevant course being run by a different department, or they wouldn't necessarily have used the word course because they weren't thinking about it in that formal way. But if there was this training that was happening already, if there were experts that were already in the business, it's letting people know who they are and making it as easy as possible for them to reach out to them contact them and so we got each department to go through and list all the activities that do happen in that department and we just put it in a central place on sharepoint that all employees can access there's nothing sort of confidential about it so here's all the training we have this is one thing that initially hopefully people can feel positive about and see it's great that all this learning development is already happening but rather than just paying lip service to it we're also showing them that this is the way that you can talk to that person or this is the way you can book yourself onto one of these courses or like that here is this nice long list got you and was in is that just a matter of like putting people's name contact details things like that up if they wanted to ask them for expertise or were you actually consolidating written down materials or courses or slides or, or stuff that those different teams have put together already we weren't consolidating the content as much as trying to get a reasonable summary so you knew what to expect of the training got you yeah so effectively you're playing you're playing host and you're you're joining the dots basically between the different silos of the business which is great and i think that's probably one of the really important jobs of any centralized function like hr or lnd or someone that touches all the different areas of a business is having that overview and being able to break down some of those walls say and connect people together in an in an effective way and yeah and like say you you don't need a complex tool for it either like a an excel file on sharepoint is sounds perfect the the added benefit of that was that then when we had a list from one department we could show it to another department so oh, this department's doing stuff like this is that something that maybe you might consider doing as well and get the relevant people in that department to think a bit more proactively about what could be possible within their teams on the lnd side of things and the the added step from there is if there was an obvious gap that no department was doing it made it really clear to us that oh, we should have something like this we want to be able to offer this to our staff let's go and more proactively look for that content 
Yeah, no, that that's I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, you're basically you're effectively doing a gap analysis by collating all that information, aren't you? And you can then see quite quickly where there's a lack of yeah expertise. And I really like your idea of I, I think what you're saying in a nice way is you're kind of playing off the different departments against each other because you're definitely you're definitely appealing to the competitive nature in people. Look, here's what these guys could do. How about you? <laughs> not, well, not, not if any department directors are listening to this. Yeah. That, that's not the case. No, exactly. I'm just joking. But but yeah, no, that that sounds good as well. Get a good example and then kind of spread spread that around. Cool. Very yeah, very interesting. So you mentioned earlier, and I, actually, I wanted to go back to this because I think it's really important. I think there's a lot of people who be listening to this and maybe going through or thinking of going through something similar. Maybe they're starting up their own centralized academy for the first time and they're dealing with a company that has lots of bits of training going on all over the place but nothing is quite centralized or focused so how did you go about kind of even beginning this process what's the background and the research and the kind of the work you did to come up with the current format so i did i just started talking to the different department directors i wanted to understand what it would mean for them and what they think the benefit could be and in a way maybe i should have spent a bit more time at the beginning thinking about what I thought the benefit could be and which direction I might like it to go. So I think I ended up sort of nodding along to lots of their different suggestions and ending up with a task that was so broad and so difficult to deliver against everything that I was going to have to disappoint some people and say, actually, we're going we're gonna to focus on this bit. And I think we did achieve lots. Of, there's still lots that we'd like to do with it as well. But there were things like people just wanting to have a really reliable source of information about who had done what training historically. And we want to get a more effective way of logging that information and being able to report on it. And there's maybe, maybe a little bit more work to do there. Still, what we have, we've identified one platform that we want to use and draw the information from the other platforms. We're just using Excel again to do this, but we're exporting from one platform and uploading it to the other as long as we can get the information put in the appropriate order, which works well enough. There's probably a better longer term integrated data solution there. But there's that sort of thing that we've been doing. And other departments have been saying, Ooh, we really like more presentation skills or something like that. We think our scientists in particular would benefit from that. And they're looking for that real hardcore content that we can add on the L&D side of things. We've also been revamping courses like that, working closely with those departments. But I had that list of different wants and desires and then picked out the things which I thought were achievable, thinking about some of those easy wins, like just having the list of stuff that's already happening, making sure we try and help people make the most of that as much as possible. But also there's this, there's this thing that people... I think they've often described as more a gripe when they say, I think we do lots of learning and development already, and they just want people to recognize when it is the learning and development happens. And this, right. is, this has ended up with me thinking more about that 70, 20, 10 thing, which I imagine listeners may have heard of before, may have heard of long before I heard of it. But the idea that you've got the experiential side of things, which might make the majority of your learning that you experience whilst you're at work, but also this 20%, which is more social and 10%, which is more individual and formal. And actually it's that 70%. We, we didn't want people to completely ignore, but also we didn't want to just tell people you're already getting it. Don't complain about not having enough learning and development. We wanted to give them a really meaningful way to recognize, engage, and reflect a bit more on that training. So what we've done there is we've put something in our HR system, which is something which is a self-service one, so they can access it themselves. And there's this training evaluation tracker where they can one of the challenges we're getting with engagement is to actually use it but the idea at least is that they can enter about once a month the most meaningful piece of learning and development that's happened they can categorize it by whether it was experiential individual or social and they can sit with their manager and reflect a bit more about how it was useful for them and what it means for them on their development journey 
trying to make sure we have these meetings take place with line managers that really drive that sort of way of thinking and looking at it, which is also one which we hadn't necessarily made as clear to managers in the past that this was a key part of their role. So it's one of the other things which we ended up, not because the department director had specifically asked for it, because we thought we saw that there was this gap where line managers weren't always talking about development that much. They'd focused more on the easy questions in terms of how they can help solve with more functional issues in their work. And they weren't always broaching that conversation. Of, what do you want to do next? What are you interested in learning? What skills do you want to develop more? And we've put that sort of front and center of what the line manager's role is at Signature now. That's brilliant. And like you say, it's, it's a simple a simple solution in terms of just giving someone access to a tool to track this and it's going on anyway and then giving empowering and encouraging line managers to make it a part of their kind of weekly one-on-ones monthly one-on-ones whatever and then yeah all of a sudden you're yeah you can see learning kind of flipping around from being something that was unconsciously done to something that is now consciously done and i think the benefits of that are massive because you're going to get more people talking to other people about it you're going to get more managers kind of tracking it and looking at it and all the rest so so yeah i think yeah the importance of that data capture is yeah it's really is really good and you're just using your hr system so you've not had to lay out any big kind of big budgets on a fancy system or anything you've already got something basic built into the hr system and you're just using that indeed there are still challenges with that, which maybe we want to get into a bit more later, yeah. but the, yeah, the rate of utilization is lower than I might like at the moment. But like, like you say, maybe that's always somewhat true, especially at the beginning of an L and D journey. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that sounds more like a marketing a, mar- a marketing problem almost because that's a that's the other hat you wear as a learning and development professional. I found is is you're forever having to market the stuff that is available to make sure people know about it. This podcast is brought to you by Assemble You the audio learning specialists. Adam here, co-founder of AssembleU. My cousin Rich and I started AssembleU in 2022 after finding we were doing a lot of our own personal development using podcasts and audiobooks. We loved audio as a format and wanted to combine the convenience of listening to something with formal outcome-driven learning that had real impact. The result is a power skills library that helps coach and guide listeners through critical topics like leadership, mental health, well-being, productivity, growth, sustainability, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. Each AssembleU audio lesson is succinct and backed by research and real-life experience. They all include additional learning aids, including downloadable keypoint infographics, further reading lists, and testing. Listen to some free samples or find out more about how AssembleU can support your bespoke audio requirements by visiting assembleu.com. Okay, brilliant. So yeah, I would like to go into engagement a little bit and just, yeah, talk talk about that. So you've got a platform, you've got a mixture of, or you have a way of connecting different people and different teams so they can see what's on there. You've got tool for individuals and line managers to, to use. And then the actual Signature Academy itself has some courses and resources, I assume, loaded up. So not just e-learning, but other things. Is that right? Yes, I guess the most substantial bit is a new catalogue of e-learning, which we put in to, to tackle that soft and power skill side of things, where especially for our scientists that spend a lot of their day in the labs, it was quite a convenient thing to give people these shorter courses that they could do at their own leisure. And my expectation of them as well is that they they do fundamentally enjoy learning and they're more likely to make the time to do it themselves. So we've not 
approached that with a view of saying that you have to do this stuff within a certain amount of time or that any of it's necessarily compulsory with the exception of a few more compliance related things that did already exist, but just trying to inspire a real interest in people to want to, to look at some of this stuff. Yeah, cool. So making it available and quickly accessible and you're using as a learning management system that that sits on, I assume. There is indeed. Yeah, cool. Great. Very cool. So, if you want to know what it is. Yeah, no, let us know what it is. Yeah, please share. So what, what have you picked? What are you going for? I'm not sure if I was like on the BBC or something. Yeah. So we're currently using a learning management system called VinciWorks and they, they were recommended to us by the e-learning content provider Skill Boosters and they're ones we talked to and we liked the look of the video content. I think it's a reasonably sized library of content, but it's not one of the really big names. They've recently partnered up with VinciWorks. They're working together. And I guess that was why that was the recommendations. They, the systems do work quite neatly together. But I think VinciWorks, we acknowledge that the specific LMS we're using is one of the older platforms that they would have offered where it's a good, simple, affordable way to deliver the e-learning content and to get all that reporting out of it that we've won. But thankfully for us, I mean, it wasn't a massively exorbitant fee that we've had to pay for access to that. I think for us at the start of our L&D journey, still that's been the right decision. Yeah, feeling your way and the thing not to do is spend enormous amounts of money on big multi-year contracts when you're not 100% sure if you're, I guess, you, the academy is set up in the way that's going to best serve your learners and your scientists. Six months in, you might do another feedback call or a year in, you might do another, get loads of feedback from, from, from the various departments and end up going on a slightly different path. But that that's part of, that's part of anything new like this. You've got to iterate, haven't you? Make sure you make sure you're solving the right problems. Very cool. So VinciWorks and Skill Boosters. So big shout out to those guys. And then what I was going to ask you next is a little bit about measuring in engagement to start with and impact separately. So two, two separate things. And I don't want to get the two mixed up because otherwise the L&D powers that be will, will be all over me. Engagement is, are people using clicking? Is there activity? Impact is, can you kind of measure what's going on in terms of a positive kind of business impact or ROI? The former engagement is normally a bit easier. The latter is very hard. So, so we're going to try and ask these questions to as many people as we can and share ideas around how people are kind of measuring this stuff. And it, it's especially difficult in soft skills i'll be honest with you because we, we're trying to do it all the time as well and it's it's yeah it's not easy um so within engagement talk us through what you're doing on that front so far was there a big launch what's the what kind of outreach marketing stuff you're doing and how's it going so far so there was what i would say was a big launch and i put a lot of time into it and yeah. i hoped it would capture people's attention sadly i think the reality is it didn't capture as much attention like i could tell almost in the first few days that it hadn't landed as well as I'd hoped. And the issue was I sent an email out and I put lots of attachments on it, PDF attachments with like just quite specific descriptions of why this existed and what we hoped people would use it for and what they'd get out of it, what people's roles were, describing the role of the line manager and things like that, and yeah. how a, a learner can drive their own development engagement with it. And the reality was that very few people read the email in the end after I spent all that time writing it. Okay. Uh, but I didn't take it too personally. I realized that we're at the size we're at now with more than 600 staff. There's a lot of emails that go around. And when, problem, when, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you see one with lots of PDFs, maybe you acknowledge, oh, that's a nice thing that exists. But I, yeah, talking to people face to face on the day it came out, was, yeah, but very few people would actually spend the time to open it and read it. And so like, pretty much from day one, I was like, oh, 
to think of different ways of getting people to actually access this content now. It's clearly not sufficient to just send the email out. And that's when we started just attending any department meeting that I was welcome at just to tell them about the magic of the Signature Academy and how much they hopefully will all benefit from it in the future. And to articulate and respond to questions a bit better, I think people felt a lot more comfortable, even people who said that they had read the content and then had heard me describe the content and respond to questions, they really preferred hearing it in that format, which I hadn't necessarily appreciated until so I made that discovery myself. So there's, I guess there's that really early level of engagement, just people even knowing what it is we're talking about with the new initiative. But then there's also two key indicators which I've been looking at, which have been the rates of completion of that skill boosters content, the e-learning content, and the rate of completion of the training evaluation tracker that people have been able to access through the HR platform. And they are also ones that well, actually, I think initially they were relatively positive. I think we had about 10% within the first couple of weeks engage with with the e-learning content, which was that was reassuring. Yeah. If it's non-mandated as well, yeah, I don't yeah. I mean, just I guess keep in mind how just getting any time on anyone's calendar, how difficult that can be sometimes. So yeah, I think that's pretty good. The skills booster e-learning content that yeah. started off 10% and has progressively increased month on month from there. However, at this point, three months on launch, there are still two thirds of staff that have just never accessed it at all. They've never completed a single course. And it's that two thirds that now I'm trying to make sure I understand why they won't use it. Because the one third that is using it a lot and they're using a lot of different courses. You can tell that they've they've obviously liked the content, they've gone back for more. And you can see that appearing in some of the evaluation that they're putting on that HR platform as well right. which is yeah. reassuring that clearly some people get it and then some people don't and part of the challenge for me is been trying to understand yeah who they are and what would what would make it easier for them to engage with some of that content yeah brilliant what's your plan for that if you don't mind me asking what's the what are the next steps because and let's just be really clear here you're at a really early really early stage you've just launched this we're kind of a quarter into it so there's, there's tons of lessons but awesome to hear you're evaluating it iterating and then yeah sounds like you've got some ideas on where to go next with it i wonder if i could just yeah just couch my answers and the fact that yeah it is still it's very new to me the world of l and d and i made a mistake perhaps when i was doing some of my cipd studies in that i I intentionally focused on things that weren't L and D. I thought, you know what, people are they're gonna judge me by the amount of employment law that I know. They won't really mind about the L and D stuff. That's like a, a nice to have extra. Where I see now how beneficial a lot of this stuff would be. And I find myself yeah. digging out my old textbooks and be like, oh, let's find all the good L and D bits. I'm gonna put this to use. And there is this clearly lots of value that I can bring to the organization. I see now more than I did before. And I guess that's me hedging the fact that I'm still feeling quite creative with what we do here and how best to engage people. And I don't feel like I know the answers, but I'm willing to try things out, give it a go, see what we end up with. So what we are looking at doing, and this will be news to people within the company as well. So I don't know what the turnaround time is like for your editing, but it's um, be a, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of time before we launch this. So hopefully you'll have time to get it out. <laughs> what, well, what I'm keen on is something not too dissimilar from things like the podcast, but to do video interviews of people that have had a positive relationship with our L&D initiative so far to pick out one skill or one activity they engaged in that is reflective of how we would like people to do L&D at Signature and explore with them questions that hopefully aren't too sort of on the nose being like, 
can you tell other people to use the platform in the way that you have? But more, if you've genuinely learned this new skill, that's exciting. We can help explore with you how you came to do that, how you're hoping to use it in the future, and hopefully just touch on some of the things that we want other people to do more of, whether that's proactively seeking out experts within the company to learn from them, or whether that's doing one of the e-learning courses and then not just doing it, but also thinking about how they're going to put it into practice in their day-to-day. But by talking to them, I hope to draw out a bit more of what it looks like in reality rather than what people I think people will see a small snapshot of an LND initiative and think, is that interesting in isolation? I think generally the answer is no, you don't necessarily enjoy a single piece of e-learning so much so that you just want to do it just for fun, but you really hope you do learn something afterwards and you do use it in your work. And if I can show people that is possible and is genuinely what we're trying to do here rather than just sort of placate people's interests, LND, that we really want to make a difference and, and sort of push the needle in a positive way, then I'm hopeful that people will identify with that bit better and think, oh, if it worked for that person, maybe I'll give it a go as well. I like the idea of using ambassadors effectively is what you're saying, and then combining, yeah, combining positive experiences, but making it, I guess, available in a kind of digital solution, be short video podcast, something like that, where you actually interview them and say, right, how did this work? What's the, what's the output? All that kind of stuff. That's, that's a really, really strong idea. Yeah. No, I like that. And I'm sure that will go well. You'd have to come on next year and tell us, give us a, give us an update. Thank you. That's really reassuring too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but the other thing I wanted to chat about was, was impact. Impact is a really difficult one to measure, as I've already mentioned, and I expect it might not be something you've got to yet because let's be honest it requires time effectively and this is quite a new initiative but what are your thoughts on measuring kind of business impact and, and how are you how are you thinking about that in terms of in terms of how this uh, this academy evolves in the future so please do correct me if i'm using the word impact incorrectly but where we started was <laughs> the acknowledgement that turnover was higher than we'd like we'd yeah. like people to stay for longer and to to have a really rich time here with engaging learning content so on the turnover side i think that's it's a useful i think it's useful impact that's a, point that as is well. a yeah. really good metric to use yeah. yeah i mean the only thing is there are external factors that can influence retention like mm. job market and various other things but i definitely think it's a measure that's worth paying attention to for sure yeah so we have we've seen just in the last three months turnover reduced by 1.5 percent which is there's not an inconsiderable amount it doesn't often fluctuate all that much in just a few months. So I'm reassured by that, but it's difficult because it's quite early to say if that's going to make a, an impact on the whole year. I mean, this is looking at months on a last 12 month basis. So there's a level of smoothing out that's gone into that 1.5% yeah. figure, but it's still every possibility that actually in the next three months that could be undone. And like you say, it's not just L&D that's feeding into that. There's lots of other things we as an HR team are trying to do and lots of things that the, that the company as a whole are trying to do to try and make sure that people want to stay at the company for as long as possible. The other impact area which I'm looking at is the employee engagement results that we get from some of the surveys we do. That's another one of my responsibilities at the company. So there's quite a nice overlap there because there are questions in our employee engagement surveys that ask people about their development at the company. So I'm hoping if they feel they are having positive development experiences that they're going to answer those questions more positively as well. And we can measure the change, but we've not had another survey since we've launched the initiative. So that'll be another month or two before we can really look back at that and understand if that's made a difference. The only other thing is ultimately we do want our knowledge to be a source of competitive advantage within yes, the CRO exactly. market. I mean, people to come to us because we are some of the best scientists out there. Not me, that's a more 
a general we scientist yeah. at the company. <laughs> the royal we, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and hopefully the whole energy side of things is going to help us improve that. But there is so much that goes into what happens on the BD side of things that would be really difficult to strip out and say, well, this was the bit that L&D helped. I think even more so than the turnover side of things, but I'm hoping that it is beneficial, that direction at least. Yeah. And I think when you are, as you mentioned earlier, when you're working in a very specialized industry where a lot of the people involved are always developing or have done enormous amounts of education, in your case, half your stuff phds or whatever yeah it's a lot of the time it's not necessarily you pushing training content to them it's you facilitating training learning development and that social kind of learning across the business and that knowledge share because to be honest the, there's probably a, an enormous amount of technical knowledge within the company that, that can benefit other areas of the company as well that's that's often the challenge that's a really good way to put it i think the reality is the clients don't come to us because x person has done this e-learning course that we found they come to us because they did a phd and they've since done publications in a relevant area or something like that that's what captured their interest i can't help that as much but i can support some of the other elements which i think do feed in yeah brilliant very cool what yeah we have a question actually that we're going to ask everybody which i think is i think is quite cool i don't know how relevant it is to you <laughs> Because <laughs> you've basically just done this. So our question was, if you're starting a new company where learning engagement or usage was low and the learning culture was poor, like what would you do? Like, would you just do the same thing that you've just done or based on what you've learned over the last three months, are there any tweaks you'd make? I'm not saying your learning was poor, like <laughs> anything like that before, by the way, culture was poor. I'm sure it wasn't. But the fact that you've just gone through this kind of building journey. Yeah. Anyway, I'll stop talking. <laughs> yeah, let's not say it was poor, but I think we can agree that there was scope for improvement. I, I'm talking and, about like a hypothetical. Yeah. If you end up in a brand yeah. new job and yeah. there's a new company, no learning at all, what would you recommend that people do to start off? With? I would say the first step would just be to understand the role that L&D does play within the wider organization. I guess I feel comfortable enough with what L&D can do in a company like Signature. I imagine it could be very different in different companies. And if you have a different idea that the board has or other senior figures and you try and work in a contrary direction, then I feel like it's going to be a really tough work. So best to understand what they're really expecting. Like, is it, for instance, to just motivate and retain staff? Is it also that competitive advantage side of things? Or is it primarily a compliance thing as well? Because I know that for a lot of companies, that probably will be what they see L&D as. Then for me, it's making sure, if I understand that, that I can articulate that to staff as well and kind of close whatever gap might be there. Because often I think people talk to me about learning development as if there's like two different things, what the employee wants and what the company wants. And I feel like actually there should be some good overlap between those two things. If we can make sure we know what it is, it makes the communication side of things in the future much easier and hopefully in the long term helps with that engagement element as well. It's not we're doing it because we're told we have to do it. It's because actually this is already something which I think is relevant and useful. And then to talk to them about how they would like to engage with that content, whether they do enjoy doing e-learning, whether that's relevant for them or whether maybe the way that they work is different and there'll be an alternative way of learning, perhaps even by listening to podcasts or something like that, that I know is an interesting audio, audio. Yeah, that's the way to go. I'm not biased at all. <laughs> but I guess ultimately then I'd want to follow up on, on my answers to those questions and yeah, think a bit creatively about how best we deliver that learning initiative. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. So understand what learning and development can do in a company and understand where it can work with the business to solve the major problems, basically. And in every business and industry, those problems are probably going to be slightly different and nuanced. So the approach you take might be different. Understand where the overlap is between personal and business desire 
And I'm seeing kind of like a Venn diagram here in my head where there's a lot of overlap. And actually that, as you say, that's a great place to start because you can get early buy-in and people excited about learning and development and really help kind of build a culture. And yeah, that, I think that's it. And then no, that's all I had. That's the notes I took in. <laughs> that's brilliant, Michael. Have I summarized that? Correct. Absolutely. I, know, I think you, you're doing some excellent, excellent summaries of my thoughts that have just come to mind. So I think appreciate them. They sound a lot better coming back from you, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my best. I'm practicing this Reassuring. thing. Yeah, called, called reflection. I learned about it in a course, actually. <laughs> re re reflecting things back to people. It's an active listening technique. But actually, it's probably one of the best techniques I've seen for for podcasting because it yeah it brings you kind of immerses you in the conversation in, in, in a much better way is there anything else you wanted to say or cover there was i think i got a bit distracted with the video interviews angle in terms of how we were going to try and impact engagement a bit further there was a couple of other ideas i hadn't and the recognition about how important the line manager's role was going to be in driving that engagement as well and reaffirming what they could do on the development side of things and one of the things we did spurred on by the initial lower level of engagement than I hoped was put in place some development conversation training to make sure those line managers were confident enough to have those conversations with people that they knew the scope of things that might be said and how could they build the motivation in people to want to do some of this extra training and how could they understand that and tailor that to individuals and build on their strengths whilst also working into that training a really heavy amount of signposting to all of the content that exists to help get that core group of line managers. We did it for about 90 people in a series of different Zoom training sessions. I ask how you delivered mm -hmm. those. Okay, so that was yourself delivering them on Zoom or? We, we did, we worked with a lady that's helped us with a couple of different courses recently, but she's an external consultant, which we spent a bit of time talking, talking through the problems we had and agreeing the best method of delivering that content. Brilliant. So yeah, that is a yeah a, tra a train the manager program absolutely to sort of yeah to create influences at that level as well and to enable the manager to more confidently have those conversations and, and get to people that way yeah super yeah. super smart i didn't want to undersell the role that i manage out there because i appreciate it it's difficult especially if you're not feeling 100 sure what someone might say if you ask them what they're interested in training wise if, if suddenly the conversation goes into territory that you don't feel comfortable with so we wanted to make people feel as comfortable as possible with that the other thing we did was we're starting to think about giving people more templates, more ideas about what they can do in their one-to-one -one meetings. So if people are feeling really comfortable with what to do already, that's fine. But if they're not, we do find that they fall back into more of that functional, what are you doing at work? How can I help talk about that? We want to push a level of talking about things like well-being, push a level of talking about the longer-term development in those one-to-one -one meetings as well, outside of just appraisal conversations. The other thing was the teaser content to try and link people into that e-learning stuff to have ourselves look at some of the content that exists and pick out the key bits which might hook people in, capture their attention. Fortunately, there's some videos that you can use through the Skill Boosters platform as well. We can insert them in emails and send out even like a 10, 20 second teaser video to hopefully get people that initial level of interest that makes them follow through and actually click into the training and do it. Brilliant. Yeah, I like that. That's a good, good marketing, good marketing tactic for sure. Get, yeah, something interesting. And I guess you could look at usage on usage over the first three months to see what's trending what's becoming more interesting and and use some of that content as well absolutely very cool michael this has been fantastic i think there's some really useful stuff in there especially for anybody who is thinking of or about to embark on a similar journey at a, at a company so maybe 
putting in a first learning management system, putting in a first kind of formal academy of some sort. And yeah, some fantastic lessons. And well, I just want to say thank you so much for being so open and honest about everything that they've done so far. And, and yeah, and sharing your experience. I think this would be incredibly useful. Thank you very much for having me, Adam. I normally put things like if people want to get in touch with you, is there a place they should go? Is, are you active on LinkedIn or anything like that? They're very welcome to contact me on LinkedIn. Great. Cool. Well, we'll make sure we put your uh, profile into our uh, into the show notes so you can get in touch with Michael there if you've got any other questions. Fantastic. Michael, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. And, and yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there. Thank you for listening, everyone. Bye.